Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GODIGITAL, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them, from the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. Welcome to The Photo Detective, where we cover historical image analysis, genealogy, and how to work with your family photo collection. What I learned by digitally organizing my pictures. So working on the master class on digital photo organizing with MemoryWeb has taught me quite a few things. It's reinforced my love of using a digital photo organizer because it makes it so easy to find the exact image I'm looking for when it's needed. But it also helped me see my research deficits. In the process of cataloging all my images, I found some long lost pictures. The steps in the digital organizing process made me realize what I have, but it also made me see what I'm missing in the way of family history information. For some of the images. The goal of my research for a very long time was to focus on discovering my paternal grandmother's family history. She was the type of woman who didn't want to talk about her family history. She always pushed off and said, well, let's talk about your grandfather. Well, it turns out she had a far more interesting family tree. Unfortunately, Filling in the missing blanks in her family history meant that I didn't collect all the details for more recent generations. It's so easy to think of the past and not the present. Now, I'm not going to say that all that research wasn't worthwhile because it was. It was painstaking and painful. But it did result in me becoming a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. I actually found a patriot in my family tree, one who lived into the age of photography. But that's a whole nother story. But as I tagged photos of her siblings, I wondered about them. And I also wondered why I didn't have photos of all of them. It was the rediscovery of images of her sisters and my grandmother's obituary with the names of her pallbearers that woke me up. Visualize me hitting my hand on my forehead here. Yes, I did it repeatedly. I realized that some of her siblings' descendants might actually still be living. Since I actually reside in the area that's home to many of them, I've been working at lightning speed trying to find those folks. 
and I really hope I'm not too late. It's the organizer that made me see the holes in the story. In MemoryWeb, the approach was pictures and metadata first. However, I discovered that it's a lot easier to add people first in this genealogy-friendly program. When you create a person using the People tab, you fill out their profile with names, maiden, and nicknames too, but also their life dates. So it acts as a quick check to see what you have and what you don't. And oh boy, there was a lot of missing information. So here's a reminder, don't forget your living relatives. When you're ready to tag a person in an image, their information is already there, so you don't have to add a new person's name every time you tag someone. Then think of a way to differentiate between relatives with the same name. Let me tell you a few things about French-Canadian families. My grandfather was Joseph Eugene, but everyone called him Jean until his son Eugene Joseph was born. Then they started calling him Joseph. To tell them apart, nicknames weren't going to work. So my workaround is to add a B period for birth and the date of his birth year to the field with the surname. Since French Canadian women are usually born with Marie or Mary as their first name and a different middle name, and oh my goodness, a commonly used nickname, I use the same rule for the women. Next, it's good practice to create an album in the program for each of those people. It makes it a lot easier to share those digital albums with relatives. Since you can have as many albums as you want, it doesn't actually matter if you digitally flag an image in several albums. For each picture, estimate when you think it was taken. If you've added a birth year for a person tagged, in the iOS app, MemoryWeb will tell you how old the person was at the time of the image. So that's a visual timeline and a double check to make sure that both the identification and the time period fits. For instance, a picture that shows an elderly person that you've tagged with a name might not be the right person if MemoryWeb says they'd be 30 at the time of the picture. There could be some misinformation there. My research log has grown since I started critically looking at my images and tagging them, and I really bet yours will too. For instance, my aunt's husband is represented by a single photo, likely taken around the time they were dating. They eventually divorced, but no one seems to know what happened to him after that. Now I just have to find out. It's one of those genealogical rabbit holes. You know what I'm talking about. Their baby died of whooping cough in infancy. Could there be a picture of him in the collection? There might be a picture hanging on a living room wall, or as my grandmother called it, her parlor. The answer is perhaps. My next solo episode will be, Who's That Baby? And you'll come to understand just how many baby pictures I have. I love looking at all your photos because honestly, I don't have many images from before 1930 for either my father or mother's family. They just weren't picture people. So here's what I'm doing, and you can too. I'm making a list by picture number. On the chart will be the picture number, the name of the person, and a checklist of what I need to find out about either the picture clues or the person supposedly depicted. I'm actively looking for the descendants of my grandmother's siblings. 
No, they don't appear to be on any of my DNA matches. Few of her sisters had children, but her brothers did. So I'm combing genealogy sites looking for them. You know how it goes. You have to find marriage records for women to follow their lines. Usually in genealogy searches, we go from the present backwards. But in this case, it's starting with census and moving forward in time. A colleague used to call this reverse genealogy. In my collection is an image of my great-grandfather, Harry. He was a man of mystery for many years. The photo is in pieces, and it was glued to a shoebox lid. But on a cousin's ancestry page, one of the cousins I've been looking for, is the same picture with no cracks in it. Only, they've attributed it to the wrong person. Did you know that you can add comments to images you discover on ancestry profiles? You can. So I did. I'm not sure what they're going to think about that, though. I may have started a genealogical argument. Of course, reaching out through ancestry or other genealogy sites isn't a sure way of connecting with lost cousins, but it's a chance. First, I look to see when the person was on their ancestry page last. If it was yesterday, then maybe they are active researchers. If it was last year or before, then it's hard to know if they'll be interested in hearing from you. In each message, I state my name and how I'm related to them. I also offer bait in the way of new photos and new information that I'm willing to share. Things that I think that they might not know, but might want to. So wish me luck. If you want to be the first to find out when the next live digital photo organizing class will be held, add your name to the mailing list. The link is in the show notes. Want to try MemoryWeb for yourself? You can go to www.memoryweb.me forward slash pd30 and you'll save 30% on the subscription and be able to try it. The podcast has a new feature this month. It's called Mystery Photo. And so I think I'm going to try this every month and call it Mystery Photo of the Month. In this case, I'm featuring the Glassmere brothers and saying they're looking for a family. This was a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago, and they still need a home. So James Jeffrey of the Western History Genealogy Collection of the Denver Public Library bought a couple of pictures and sent them to me. He also mailed me a page from the 1860 Federal Census of Pennsylvania listing the family. Of course he did. He's a genealogical librarian. He sent me what I needed. On the surface, they are simple carte de visite portraits of two brothers in suits with hats in hand. One was taken by Allen, the other by Mortimer. And the carte de visites are two and a half by four inches. So I researched the photographers. A.M. Allen of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, took Winfield's portrait. Allen's studio employed a spindle chair with an upholstered seat as a prop. It would hold their subject still. In the image, which you'll be able to see on my website, linked in the show notes, you can see the footed brace visible at their feet. It's a typical studio setup for that time period. Chair, patterned flooring, and a solid background. Amos M. Allen worked in Pottsville and Columbia, Pennsylvania from 1852 to 1894. Early in his career, he won an award for his daguerreotypes. This picture is proof that he's making CDVs. Yet in the 1860 census, he still calls himself a daguerreotypist. 
William R. Mortimer had a similar studio arrangement and even the same cardstock. He posed Oscar for his picture, but they're different chairs, same chair type, but different upholstery. The chairs differ if you look at the details. You can see the baseboard in Allen's studio, but not in Mortimer's picture. But the big question is, of course, who are the Glassmere brothers, Oscar and Winfield? In 1860, they were five and eight years old. Oscar has an eye issue. Their father was a master butcher with real estate and personal estate. He was doing well. He lived on a street with other merchants and one other butcher. His circumstances changed. By 1870, William appears as a coal operator and much better financial resources. Pottsville was a growing town with opportunities for ambitious men. When looking at pictures, imagine being alive at the time and meeting these two lads. Their lives are in front of them. As genealogists, we can put together their story. We have the skills to discover the details relating to the who, what, and why of their lives. We can discover what happened before and after the photographer snapped the shutter. Oscar died in 1876 at 21 and left all of his belongings to his mother. I'm not sure about Winfield at this point. The most interesting part of the caption on the back of these photos suggests a reason for them. Both boys were in Mr. Almond's class. Whether this refers to a private school, a public one, or a church school is uncertain. James Jeffrey bought these images, but as usual, the history of ownership and context is missing. Were they once in an album with other students of Mr. Almond's? Were they placed in a family photo album alongside other members of the family? We will likely never know. And of course, the biggest mystery is how they ended up in Colorado. Photo mysteries can lead to other missing pieces of a family history. In this case, a lot about the boys is unknown. Only one Glassmere family tree exists on Ancestry.com, and no members of this family appear on that tree that begins in 1881, a generation later than these boys lived. Some families die out. That may be what happened to the Glassmere family of Pottsville, Pennsylvania. I'm hoping perhaps the Schuylkill County Historical Society will want these images. I'm also hoping they have information on Mr. Almond and what he taught. I hope you've liked this episode of the Mystery Photo of the Month. Do you need help with your family photo mysteries? I'd love to be able to help you. I'm Maureen Taylor, the Photo Detective, and thank you for listening to the Photo Detective Podcast. You know, I see a lot of different types of photo mysteries. Sometimes we know who's in the photograph, but not where it was taken. Other times we don't know who took the photograph. We might not know anyone in the picture. And sometimes we know everyone in the photograph, but not why they took the photograph. And one of my favorite mysteries is when you have a photograph that actually fills in the blanks in your research. If you're interested in learning more, go to my website, MaureenTaylor.com, and click on Consults. I'd love to see what you have in your family photo shoebox. Use the coupon code PODCAST to save $10 on your photo consult. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. 
leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.